Welcome to The Bible Teachers, featuring sermons from around Australia. And here is today's presenter, Pastor Kepsi Alodo. I strongly believe that reconciliation ministry is heaven-born idea. The purpose of reconciliation ministry is to bring peace and stability to people's lives, broken homes, uh, in all aspects of life. We've, we've uh, started it as a pilot project in Bougainville Missing. Um, and then to roll it out, now we are rolling it out throughout our union. And uh, Chets has partnered with EDRA, PNG EDRA, uh, to help provide uh, peace and stability uh, to broken homes and broken lives and uh, people through reconciliation ministry. Um, and uh, we are thankful um, as a church in Papua New Guinea Mission that uh, EDRA is right behind um, us and uh, in, uh, with this uh, reconciliation ministry. And they're supporting us with their moral support and uh, the financial aspect as well. So my two friends who are here from EDRA or uh, PNG, I'm not, they're not, by mistake, they are here. And I praise God, we are, we are a team. And uh, with that, I invite my two friends uh, from Papua New Guinea, uh, Union Missing, um, who are here uh, with me. And um, I will be giving them five minutes each to share a very powerful testimony of how Holy Spirit led us um, from the start, as we took our journey last year and up until today uh, in, in reconciliation ministry. And we have a small group. We've, uh, because of this situation, we've uh, took a journey, a prayer group since last year. And this year, and every Sunday morning from 6 to 7, at least 7.30, we, we, we meet and we pray. And our small group are praying. I believe they prayed for us. Uh, here. And we prayed, uh, we prayed last week for this uh, conference, prayer conference. And uh, yes, with that, I, I leave it to my two friends uh, to take us on this short, I mean, the long journey, but they will be telling us, uh, you know, put in a, in a short period of time. Thank you. To God be the glory. Amen. Amen. It is indeed a, a blessing to be here. And not only because uh, we are here to share what is happening uh, in Papua New Guinea, but it is a blessing that we are here and we, we are blessed with, you know, all the presentations and all the sharing and all the learning. And that we are going back, you know, empowered to do what God has started with the Ministry of Reconciliation. Have you ever been in a situation where you try to help someone, maybe someone that is hurting, or maybe someone that has a problem, and uh, you have tried all in the world, all the methods that you think of, all the ways that you've known, and it did not work. Have you ever been in such situation? And what do you do? I have a friend, and uh, 
you know, my friend, I worked with my friend and we worked together in Edra. And, and this friend of mine is, is special because of the role that he plays in Edra. And he went through a situation that his life was on the line. And, and when I say his life was on the line, means that his life was threatened, even to the point of death. And I was sitting in the office and I was wondering, how can I help this friend as a Christian brother? And this text comes to mind. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says, carry one another's burden and in that way you fulfill the commands of Christ. And you know, I, I am born a Seventh-day Adventist all my life, adventurer, pathfinder, youth. And I, I thought that I know the best, that I'm going to church all the time, so, you know, I am, I am the best friend of Jesus, and I know how to solve problems. And so I did all that I could to help that friend of mine. But you know, friends, all that I tried, it never worked. And I remembered the day when I stepped into Pastor Kepsi's office. And I stepped into his office and, and I shared with him because over the past few months and a year, with the previous president that is now deceased and Pastor Kepsi has now taken his place, I shared with him the problem and he was telling me, no, don't worry, Jimmy. Uh, we will form a committee and we'll try and help. Because that situation that your friend was going through, it was a church thing. And so, you know, we need to help as a church. But when I stepped into his office, and after I shared with Pastor Kepsi, he, he, he said this to me, just in one word. Jimmy, I think we will do it God's way. Can you come next week Sunday and bring two friends or three friends and let's start praying. Wow. And so I went back and the next Sunday I brought three people and we started off with, in fact, five. And that number grew. And we prayed for almost six to seven months and on the eighth month last year, you know, we were able to help this brother. But it was true prayer. And two things before I sit down. That I'll never forget this experience is that, you know, this experience changed my perspective about God and about how we solve problems, how we help one another. You know, this, the text that I shared, carry one another's burden. I was thinking, you know, literally that when, when a friend has a need, food, I, this is their need. I'll just give them food. But the deeper, the deeper meaning was that. The best way that you can carry your other brother and sister's burden is to pray for one another. To pray for one another. Because God knows the best. God knows the best solution. And God, through his Holy Spirit, can give you the best solution to whatever situation, to whatever circumstances that you, may, you might face. Well, to, to finish up, two things that, that I've learned from this journey. It is indeed a journey. And uh, every time when we pray, you know, the power of a group, it's, it's so powerful because every time when we get to prayer, you know, we would be encouraged that um, we would ask the question, what's next? 
And you know, Pastor Kepsi and the others would encourage that. Let's leave it to the Holy Spirit. Yes, you can have your thoughts and your minds, but let's leave it to the Holy Spirit. What's next? What's the next step? And eventually, the Holy Spirit led us to a reconciliation that happened between this brother and about 25 people. That God in his own way has resolved the problem. So it also not, it not only helped me with my journey with the other, you know, a corporate body, but it also helped me personally. It has changed my life. It has transformed my life to see God in a different way. That in everything that I do, I need to depend on God 100%. God bless you. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Brother Jimmy. I'm actually the brother that he's referring to. Um, in 20, 2015, I actually organized a, a big tour for the Adventist Church members in PNG. About 200 people went on this tour. And like he mentioned, around close to 30 people actually didn't make it because of visa issues. And that became a very big challenge because people had their own perception of why they didn't make it for the tour. And then there were other people that you know gave them some good reasons and it became a very big issue and um, people became quite aggressive. Uh, you know, it reached a point where I couldn't freely move around. You know, people threatened to kill me and, and these were people who were not converted actually. And you know, I was really, really struggling and it, it became, it reached a point where um, there was hardly anyone who could even help me. Um, so I, I had to make some hasty decision whether to, to have that issues sorted out or just to leave it um, unresolved. But I was quite thankful that Jimmy stepped in and then Pastor Elodo stepped in. And when they came and they told me that, look, we have to solve it um, God's way. You know, I'm a son of a pastor. My father is an Adventist pastor. He was a mission president before he retired. So I'm a third generation Seventh-day Adventist. Um, so I, I, I really question the Lord. Lord, of all people, why did you choose me to go through that experience? You could have chosen someone else. Um, I feel that I'm part of a royal family because I'm a third generation Adventist. <laughs> I'm a son of a pastor. I should be protected. I'm a special species. Anyway, as Jimmy mentioned, there was nothing we could do except to surrender. You know, I was, I was a prideful man though. You know, I'm knowledgeable of an, a lot of things. I've done a lot of things to help God's church in, in Papua New Guinea. So I was quite prideful that, hey, this is the time that the church should do me a favor to stand on my behalf to address this issue. But anyway, God led me through this experience to be humble myself. And when pastor proposed that we put it in prayer, I was a little bit uncertain because I really wanted answers much faster. I, 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 really want, I really want peace. But I just had to humble myself. And you know, we went through prayer. We started with a small group. And then pastor introduced to us the Holy Spirit. That you must be, you must allow the Holy Spirit to impress upon you. So that's when it dawned on me that, okay, I didn't fully understand the work of the Holy Spirit. This experience should be my experience in understanding the work of the Holy Spirit. So I completely surrendered myself and allowed the Holy Spirit to use me, to impress upon me. 
And I was convinced beyond reasonable doubt that what we were doing was exactly what God wanted me to do to solve that issue. To cut the long story short, the Lord brought people to our group that reached out to these people. They ministered to them. And then the Lord brought to this group um, the conviction that we have to have a reconciliation program. And you know what? God brought people who went and ministered to these people, and they were open to the idea of reconciliation. And then God impressed upon us to choose a date, May 28th, 2017. We chose the date one month, uh, one month, ab about two months before that program. And it was during that period where the discipleship team of the South Pacific Division, at the very last minute, they informed PNGM that we need to do a quick discipleship training to all the local mission president, secretary, and treasurers, and all the local and uh, the union administration. And it fell on the 28th of the week, the week after the 28th, the Monday, the 29th, uh, which is a Monday till Friday, you know, it was Providence because they actually came and participated in the reconciliation program. It was very powerful. People came, they apologized, we cried, prayer was offered. And the church accepted that in order for the church in Papua New Guinea to move forward, reconciliation ministry must become a part of the Adventist movement in Papua New Guinea. And I am thankful, I have no regrets that God has actually chosen me for this uh, movement to start because as I look back, I'm really thankful that this movement has created an opportunity for the Church of God in Papua New Guinea to move forward so that his work may be edified. Okay, um, I invite you all to uh, where you are, bow your heads as I pray. Dear Father, we thank you for the message, messages um, which we've had so far. And this morning, Lord, I will um, present again the ministry of reconciliation. Holy Spirit, use me today uh, for God's glory, and may we be blessed uh, with the message uh, that will be preached today. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Called to reconcile is the message for this morning. There was this man um, in 2015 who was rewarded for forgiving his enemy. I, I conducted a, a reconciliation program in one of the uh, churches in Ley. Um, You couldn't believe it, but reconciliation went on uh, for 39 hours, and that's the longest um, duration of a reconciliation program. Um, at the end of the uh, reconciliation program, uh, this man came up to me and he said, Pastor, today is Monday, tomorrow, Tuesday. Uh, I have a law case against a, a former employer. Um, a manager who employed me, uh, but with the assistant, he was a, a Seventh Adventist Christian. I mean, this uh, man who was rewarded um, for forgiving his friend. Um, he said, I've, I've been employed by this uh, non Adventist uh, um, man, 
and uh, I assisted him, and uh, yeah, his business um, flourished, and uh, he somehow um, laid me off. And I'm in the street with my family. Now, tomorrow is a court case. What is your advice, Pastor? Do you want me to take him to court tomorrow? And I thought for some time. And then I said, no. You are Seventh Adventist Christian, and you are taking non Adventist Christian to court. From, me, from my perspective, uh, it's not good. You, we are light of the world. So I asked him, when would, what time would court uh, commence? And he said, tomorrow at 10 o'clock. So I said, okay, we will decide. Uh, I mean, I, I suggested to him, we will start praying now. You pray, and I will help you to pray. Let's pray and Ask Holy Spirit uh, to show you what to do. If Holy Spirit says, yes, take him to court, then take him to court tomorrow. But if Holy Spirit says, no, then withdraw and keep praying. So we bought a short journey in the evening and then whole night until we slept. And then morning we prayed before 10. I told him, if whatever happens, if Holy Spirit does not impress you, don't go ahead. Don't go to court. You stay on. Even if, it, if, even if you don't receive any inspiration, conviction from the Spirit of the Lord, don't take him to the court. Even don't show your face in the court courtroom. We prayed, Holy Spirit, please show him your will. Please, Holy Spirit, show you, reveal your will to him. Is it your will for, God's will for uh, this brother to take uh, non-Adventist to, uh, to court? And I told him, if it comes to 10 to 2, or 10 to 2, uh, and nothing happens, you continue praying. I will be praying 5 to 2, uh, 5 to 10. And by 5 to 10, if Holy Spirit does not impress you, you withdraw, you withdraw your court case. But if Holy Spirit impresses you at five to 10, brother, go ahead, take him to the, be present, be available and take, challenge him in the court. So we prayed. Five to, to make the long story short, to cut the long story short by five to 10, Holy Spirit did not impress him, nor did he impress me. So when five minutes uh, to 10 strikes, he went to the magistrate and he said, I dismiss, I, I, I withdraw my case. Magistrate got shock of his life, what? I withdraw my case. case. Why I withdrawing? Uh, he said, I will not give you reasons. But I withdrew my case. He did not tell me that he has withdrawn the court, I mean his case, court case. After some time, 
I met him when I went to lay. At that time, I was in Bougainville, uh, serving there as president for Bougainville Mission. And when I went for meetings in lay, uh, spirit, you know, got us together. And then he was so excited. He came and shook me and hugged me. And he said, Pastor, good answer, I will pray. And I said, please tell me the story. So he said, as exactly you suggested, at 5 to 10, Holy Spirit did not impress me. So I walked up, uh, approached the magistrate, and asked to withdraw my, my court case. I also told him uh, prior to that, leave it to God, leave it to Holy Spirit to help decide for you because he knows what's best for you and your family. You are in God's hand. You are in God's hand and the future belongs to God. He will take care of you. Have faith in God and pray and move on. Amen. He told me when we met, Pastor, I'm reinstated. And I'm not the manager, but I am, I've been elevated, and I am the general manager. <laughs> I have good house. I have car. And my salary increased. Thank you. Praise God. So we both prayed and thanked the Lord. After reconciliation, he was at peace with his family and with fellow believers and with others. And when his heart was right, when he was right with God, and we prayed together, God intervened. Holy Spirit intervened. You know, sometimes when our prayers are not answered, the Bible says it is wise to wait on the Lord. Because when we wait on the Lord, what happens? God will give us the strength. He will give us the wings of what? Ego. Yeah. Eagles. Yeah. And praise God. Ellen G. White, I will be sharing some quotations from Ellen G. White and Bible references as well. From the book that I may know him, page 180, paragraph 2, Ellen G. White says, It is most difficult. Even for those who claim to be followers of Jesus, to forgive as Christ forgives us. The true spirit of forgiveness is so little practiced. We forget that God is full of compassion and forgiveness and freely pardons when we truly repent and confess our sins. That man that I told you about, because he forgave, after withdrawing his court case, he approached him and he said, I'm sorry. Although you mistreated me, I assisted you to grow your business. And at the end of the day, you sacked me. You finished me uh, from your company, but I forgive you. And because of him forgiving this man, God blessed him. God blessed him. You know, it is most difficult for us, even Christians, seven Adventist Christians, you know, at times, we find it very difficult to forgive others who hurt us. We've, we, it is difficult, you know, at times, most difficult, as Ellen G. White says. Even pastors, even leaders, church leaders, even uh, the members, believers, 
we find it difficult to forgive our fellow men. The true spirit of forgiveness is so little practiced in our lives. And in so doing, we forget that God is full of compassion and forgiveness. Um, Yes, and uh, yes, like yesterday, I've read, I've read this uh, text in Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 10, 24. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, verse 24, leave your gift in front of the altar. First, go a command, a command to reconcile, a command to reconciliation. Go to your brother, sort it out, pray together, united, restore your relationship and have peace and unity in peace, harmony. When you worship God, he will worship God in spirit and in throat. Ellen G. White continues to say, when our duty is so plainly marked out, why do so many church members go contrary to a plain, thus saith the Lord. It was, she was referring to Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, uh, 24 and 25, which we've read a while ago. Jesus, the great teacher, has told us what our duty is. Although our duty is plain, clear, a command to reconcile, yet at times we harden our hearts. And if we harden our hearts, we will fall into trouble. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 14 reads, and especially toward the end of that verse, those who harden their hearts will fall into trouble. Everywhere we go, everywhere uh, we may be, troubles, we will be faced with troubles. Sometimes Yes, because we are disobeying God. We should be loving God. I mean, in the same way we love God, we should be loving our neighbors to fulfill God's law. Our gifts, this is interesting. Our gifts, our prayers are not acceptable to God while we leave this duty undone. That is why we should take as God's church Waiting for Jesus in return, we should take forgiveness and reconciliation seriously. Because if there is sin in us, God will not hear us. In Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2. Verse 1 says, God's hands are not too short to save us. From our troubles, his ears are not deaf to hear us when we call in trouble, in times of trouble. And in verse 2, verse two says, but our iniquities have separated us from our God so that he will not hear. Our grudges, our heads, resentment, this anger we have with others or with our families or whoever, if that is not sorted out, even we, we will miss heaven. If there is sin in us, God will not allow any stain of sin, as Revelation says, to enter heaven. 
That is why it is important. When we, 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 we deal with record reconciliation and forgiveness, it also, we, we are dealing with our eternal life, with our salvation. Because God has reconciled us, reconciled us to himself. In 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18, uh, verse 18 uh, says that. So, our gifts, our prayers are not acceptable while we leave this, this duty undone. When the duty is undone, the portion of envy, evil submission, and jealousy take possession of our souls and spoil our union and happiness. That's what Ellen G. White says. When we don't forgive others, when we don't reconcile with others, it disturbs. Sin, evil continues to reign in us. Jealousy takes possession of our souls, of our lives, and it spoils, it affects our relationship. Marriage setting, family, church, community, where we are, it affects our relationship. And in fact, forgiving and reconciling, it, it does good to our emotion, to our emotional feelings, and to both our physical and spiritual life as well. Oh, how much more, Ellen G. White continues to say, oh, how much unhappiness would be spared, and how many evil thoughts would be quenched if believers would take up the work that Christ has said must be done to prevent evil thinking and evil speaking. You know, we prevent happiness in being joyful. Paul says in Philippians 4 verse 4, rejoice and again I say rejoice. In both challenging times, in both good and bad times. And if we don't seek forgiveness and reconciliation, it prevents us from experiencing that happiness, that joy, that rejoicing. In sin, because we will be having reservations, and uh, at the same time, when we see uh, enemies or people whom we have grudges or resentment, and um, you know, you know what I'm talking about, we will have negative feelings. A few words of explanation might change entirely the views of those who have been at variance, cherishing a bitter feeling. We cannot be obedient to the law of God until we put out of the mind all differences, until we allow, uh, allow our hearts to be softened and subdued by the Spirit of Christ. We cannot, we will continue to be this, we will continue to disobey God's laws because God's law is summed up into two. One, love to God, and number two, love to our fellow men. And if we are not forgiven, we don't live forgiving life. If we don't take uh, seriously reconciliation, then we are disobeying God's law. Not until we allow Holy Spirit to come in and to help us, then can our hearts be softened. Then can we seek forgiveness and reconciliation and we can be friends with our enemies again. Our prayers are hindered by our pride of hearts, by our refusal to confess faults and to remove wrong impressions. You know, sometimes our prayers are hindered. 
by pride. You know, those people who, who, are proud, uh, who are so proud, they will not fully and sincerely experience true forgiveness or true reconciliation. With lips, they provide lip service by saying, yes, I forgive you. Yes, I reconcile. But down deep in their hearts, if it's not coming, if reconciliation and forgiveness is not coming from, from within the heart, then it's a lip service. And that will, that will hinder um, us from God, from God, from God answering our prayers. We are to make every effort in our power to remove every stumbling block from before the feet of our neighbor or our brother. A mind that especially stumbles over head feelings will conjure up mistaken ideas of all kinds. Those who do not uh, forgive and forget, uh, who do not take reconciliation seriously, they will be creating problems after problems. They will be hurting, um, continue to hurt people. And the more they hurt people, they don't realize that they are hurting more themselves. Thus, many concealed sins of selfishness, overreaching, dishonesty toward God and their neighbor, sins in the family, and many others which it is proper to confess in public. You know, there are uh, sins uh, which we can confess privately, and those are secret sins. My wife doesn't know it. <laughs> Uh, my children or whoever, they do not know the secret sin of mine. Secret sins, Ellen G. White says, secret sins are direct, directed to God. Ask God and he will forgive your sins. But public sins require public confession. This is a terrible mistake. Families and Christians are committing to make it worse. They bring with them their home and forgiving and impatient practices to the church or workplace and influence others to forgive their ways. Thus, sin is increased. And that is true. If I live unforgiving life, if I don't have the spirit of Elijah and I don't forgive others, I don't make reconciliation with them, then I am adding sin, increasing sin in the church. In my life, my family, as well as in the church. And often, or sometimes, we bring you know, mistakes, terrible mistakes of our family into the church. And we increase sin. Satan is an accuser of the brethren. Yes, he is on the watch for every error. No matter how small that he may have something on which to found an accusation. Ellen G. White's advice is keep off from Satan's side. And Satan is our, is our accuser. No wonder why in the book of Revelation chapter 12 verse 10 we read. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. And as we, we've heard uh, through uh, messages this weekend, 
Satan is always against us. Satan always finds opportunity to trap us. And one of the easiest, one of the easiest, and I mean, one of the best tools that he uses every day is to give us these thoughts, evil thoughts, uh, to injure others and uh, to cause resentment and all that in our lives because he's our accuser. However, we are thankful that the Lord Jesus has given special directions to us. But often we do not go by Jesus' instruction or directions. When we pray in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 18, in World Changes Bible, it reads, Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Do we do our part to answer this prayer? We often preach about forgiveness, about reconciliation. And maybe we talk about reconciliation. We talk about uh, forgiveness, confessing. Even we pray about it. But sometimes we don't practice it. And we repeat, we, we repeat the very prayer Jesus offered to teach his disciples. Yet we don't practice it. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, in King James Version, Jesus here says, But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Often I was being accused. Um, sometimes um, my opinions... Suggestions were um, opposed. Sometimes I go through struggles, and sometimes, you know, at times I feel like giving up hope. And especially people who, you know, criticize and say negative things about me. But I keep, I'm reminded by Holy Spirit about this text love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them. Even Jesus, in Luke chapter 23 and verse 34, one of the greatest sermons that Jesus ever preached was when he was hanging on the cross. And it was this prayer. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I believe that was the greatest sermon. Jesus ever preached when he was on earth. Or oh, one of the greatest sermons he preached. Loving your enemies. You know, it's, it's easy. It's easy for us to say things against others. But it's very difficult for us to approach them and say, I'm sorry. And Satan tries to stop us uh, from sorting things out. So now... I'm giving you a new commandments in John 13, verse 34. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. And I like uh, verse 13. You love for one another. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. If we love one another, we would be spending less time in going out witnessing for Jesus. 
Because in John 12, Jesus says, and if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto myself. When Jesus is with us, when Holy Spirit takes full control of our lives, and when there is love in us, when the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5, verses 23 and 20, uh, 22 and 23 is produced in our lives, love, joy, peace. I believe South Pacific Division in the world uh, would be different. You and I will turn the world upside down because of the love we have and because of the spirit of Elijah we have with the assistance of Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. Even slander, even to time, you know, at times um, our names were, um, um, what's, that, what's the word? Um, you know, someone, someone uh, publish your name and... Uh, yes. A deformation of character. Yeah. And we take revenge. But Bible says, get rid of those. As well as all types of evil behavior. Verse 3. Be loving. Instead, be kind to each other. Tender-hearted. Forgiving, forgiving one another. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. If our brother, no wonder why. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew 5, 23 and 24. If our brother has something against you, we are to live on the altar. The gift we have brought to God and be reconciled to our brother. Then we are to come and offer our gift. It's a call to reconcile. It's a call of reconciliation. This is the only way in which we can keep in our hearts the peace of God. It is the only way for peace and true peace. John 14 verse 27, Jesus says, I give you what? Peace. Okay. Not the world giveth, but give I unto you. Ellen G. White says, love for those whom Jesus died, irrespective of who they are and the injuries they cause you. If you love him who died to redeem mankind, you will love those for whom he died. Then, then the result would be love and joy will be revealed in your daily life. You will be empowered by the spirit of the Lord. A daughter and father reconciled after three years of separation in 2015 in finishing. Okay, let me do it in uh, one minute. 2018, we went administration council um, of South Pacific Division, and we went to uh, Fiji. That time, I was the president of Bougainville Mission. On Sabbath, we went preaching, and I prayed. I was roasted to preach in uh, one of the uh, churches in Suva. Uh, so I asked Holy Spirit, I pray, Holy Spirit, what should I pray? Uh, what should I preach about? And I was impressed to preach on um, reconciliation ministry. So I preached. And a, a daughter and, a, and father were separated over an argument. Um, and uh, I did not bother to ask them what was the reason, the cause of their separation. So they separated for three years. And then for the first time, Holy Spirit brought this young lady. She did not plan to attend the church on Sabbath, on that Sabbath. But Holy Spirit impressed him, troubled her to attend the church on Sabbath. And to make, uh, cut a long story short, she attended. And I preached on reconciliation. Holy Spirit touched her, moved her. And while we were having, the ladies were preparing uh, for our lunch. The 
daughter approached dad and she cried bitterly and said, I'm sorry, daddy. And I reconciled them there through prayer. And now that boldness is there. We need God's help. Yes, of course. And we need the Holy Spirit's help. Holy Spirit is what we need. And I like the way uh, well changes Bible puts it. Then he said to me, it is not by force, nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. I will stop here. May God bless North New South Wales Conference and bless you and bless us all. If there was a time for us uh, to accommodate reconciliation in our church, in our churches, in our lives, in our families, it is now. It is now. Because what reconciliation does is it, it, it creates, it brings, with, with the assistance of Holy Spirit and much prayer, it brings revival and reformation to the church. To prepare the church before we enter persecution and time of trouble which is ahead of us. And to prepare us for translation. May God bless us uh, as we ponder upon the ministry of reconciliation. questions or comments in relation to today's program, you can call 3ABM Australia Radio within Australia on 02 4973 3456 or from outside of Australia on country code 612 4973 3456. Our email address is radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. That is radio at the number 3 ABN Australia, all one word, .org.au. Our postal address is 3ABN Australia Inc, PO Box 752, Morissette, New South Wales 2264 Australia. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. short presentation on the history of the Reformation from lynchjourney.com. From 1512 to 1517, Martin Luther's life had been engaged mainly in preaching and teaching, but it was destined to change forever when John Tetzel came to town. The Pope at that time was Pope Leo X, as Pope Julius II had died about four years previous. He was eager to proceed with the erection of the great church of St. Peter, which his predecessor had left unfinished. In order to raise funds to complete the church, rigorous methods of fundraising needed to be resorted to, and so the Pope issued indulgences with that in mind. He decided not to resort to this tactic in Spain, France, and England, but in Germany, the responsibility for selling the indulgences was given to a salesman by the name of Tetzel.
as Tetzel came into a town, a messenger would go before him proclaiming the grace of God and of the Holy Father is at your gates. People welcomed this false preacher as he proposed a rather easy way to paradise. He promised to pardon all the sins which the purchaser would commit from here on out and that not even repentance was necessary. In addition to this, he promised that the indulgences had the power to forgive not only the living, but also the dead as well. Tetzel's famous quote was, as soon as the money clinks against the bottom of the chest, the soul escapes purgatory and flies to heaven. These type of messages produced two responses. Firstly, a band of scoffers who wondered why, if the Pope had the power to release people from purgatory, he didn't do it as a matter of charity. And secondly, a stronger and deeper opposition was people who asked what the Bible said about forgiveness. Luther was, at this time, still a priest of the church and still had to hear people's confessions. A problem arose when some of his parishioners produced Tetzel's pardon for their sins and Luther refused to accept them, declaring them nothing but a big fraud. Around this time also, Luther preached a powerful sermon entitled Indulgences and the Grace of God, and he also sent a detailed protest to the Archbishop and local bishop. It was amidst these events that on the festival of all saints, Luther posted on the university church door right here behind me, his 95 theses or doctrinal statements about this debated question. This event was a turning point, and the publication of the 95 Theses created a great deal of excitement amongst the German people. They were read and reread and repeated far and wide. Luther was in awe at what he had done, opposed the mightiest power on earth, and it was not long before he was summoned by Rome to appear to answer for his teachings. Never before had one man who had such a huge following of people already opposed Rome on his own. At this time, the people were sick of the corruption of the church, and many people were thankful that someone was saying something about it, though not everyone was bold enough to take a stand with him at the time. Let us never underestimate the power of remaining true to God's word and to our convictions. While Luther didn't understand the whole Bible or understand even the whole gospel, he did share and stay true to what he did know. He had accepted the principle that the Bible should be the sole interpreter of faith. And this one principle would light a spark that would eventually go around the whole world and lie at the foundation of Protestantism, that the Bible is to be the interpreter of our faith. May we be true to God's word and faithful in sharing the message God has given to us wherever in the world that we are. To view more episodes in this series on the Reformation, go to lineagejourney.com. It's time for Balanced Living with Vicki Griffin. Lifestyle links for healthy blood pressure. Like a sneaky thief, high blood pressure is silent and stealthy in its course. 
but serious, even deadly in its effects. It progresses slowly, often without symptoms. But this unwelcome invader causes metabolic mayhem, including heart attack and stroke, blood vessel, kidney, brain, and eye damage. High blood pressure, also called hypertension, is the leading cause of preventable death and disability worldwide. 75 million Americans, or one-third of the adult population, have high blood pressure, and another third have prehypertension, which means that they are on their way to high blood pressure. DASH to lower blood pressure. DASH stands for Dietary Approaches to Stop Hypertension a program initiated by the National Institute of Health. The DASH plan emphasizes fresh vegetables and fruits, beans, whole grains, nuts, and other plant foods. It is a near-vegetarian diet that is low in animal fat and cholesterol. A shift toward plant nutrition helps you shed extra pounds that lead to high blood pressure. It improves mood and energy so you can handle pressure-popping stress better. DASH studies have shown that increasing fresh fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, and nuts, and limiting saturated fats significantly reduced blood pressure within two weeks. In addition to the above changes, reducing sodium produced the best results. Restricting the consumption of red meat, refined foods, sweet and sugary drinks reduced blood pressure and cholesterol. 77% of those who combined daily exercise with more plant nutrition and less meat achieved normal blood pressure levels within six months. The Adventist Health Study has further shown that, similar to DASH diet participants, those who ate little or no meat combined with more plant foods had the lowest blood pressure of any group. A vegan or vegetarian diet is linked to a reduced risk for numerous chronic ailments, healthier weight, longer life, and better quality of life. Let's talk about the ABCs of lower blood pressure. You can lower blood pressure one bite at a time, one choice at a time, one day at a time. Just follow the ABC plan. A is for add plant nutrition. Add more potassium by adding fruits and vegetables. They're high in both potassium and fiber, both of which protect against high blood pressure. A baked potato contains about 1,000 milligrams of potassium. Beans, spinach, tomatoes, squash, green vegetables, and fresh fruits are also great, tasty sources of potassium. Plant foods are rich in vitamins, minerals, trace minerals, and vessel-repairing antioxidants, and they're low in sodium, saturated fat, and calories. So try it. To increase potassium and dietary fiber, eat at least three servings of plant foods at every meal. Fresh fruit, vegetables, beans, whole grains, or nuts. Increasing these foods will help you bump those burgers, fries, and pies right off the menu. B is for beware. Beware of sodium, sweets, and saturated fat. Watch out for packaged bandits that tantalize your taste buds but target your good health. Limit sodium intake. Most sodium comes from packaged foods, so check labels. Just one ounce of potato chips contains 200 milligrams of sodium. A baked potato only has 8 milligrams. Canned tomatoes pack 400 milligrams per half cup, but a fresh tomato has just 11 milligrams. 
A fast food meal consisting of an 8-ounce hamburger, 7-ounce fries, and 32-ounce soft drink will total 1,580 calories, including 68 grams of fat, 31 teaspoons of sugar, and 1,400 milligrams of sodium. Try this. Grab a sandwich on a whole grain bread or bun filled with fresh vegetables and vegetarian burger. Enjoy refreshing water and a crunchy apple for dessert. C is for choose. Choose daily exercise. Regular, moderate physical activity, at least 30 to 60 minutes most days of the week, can lower your blood pressure up to nine points, and it doesn't take long to see a difference. Increasing your exercise level can lower your blood pressure in just a few weeks. It will improve mood and lower stress right away while helping you achieve and maintain your healthy weight. So try this. Just a 10-minute brisk walk after each meal will give you a mood boost, lower tension, and rack up 30 minutes of daily activity that will help push blood pressure as well as pounds into the healthy range. From break-in to breakthrough. Stop the unwelcome intrusion into your good health and experience a health breakthrough that will restore your brain, recover lost energy, and renew blood vessel health. Other lifestyle factors proven effective in lowering blood pressure include shedding extra pounds, avoiding alcohol, getting adequate rest, and not smoking. Make sure you get adequate daily sunshine or vitamin D. Work with your doctor when making lifestyle and exercise changes and get treatment for uncontrolled high blood pressure. It is written that the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy, but Jesus has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. A thief has no other purpose but to plunder and destroy life. God's purpose is to save and preserve life for today and eternity. There's a battle going on between good and evil, truth and error, life and death, Christ and Satan. This battle is over the heart, mind, and life of every person. Christ wants to give you a more abundant life, a life filled with purpose, peace, power, and wisdom, a healthy lifestyle to preserve mind and body, and at last, eternal life where no thief can destroy. You've been listening to Balanced Living, presented by Vicki Griffin. It's been our pleasure bringing you this program today here on 3ABN Australia Radio.